0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the uh, from the um, book of Genesis in chapter 37. We're going to be picking up a little bit where we left off last week. Last week, we introduced Joseph as a character. We heard about his dreams. We heard about his father's love for him And now we hear the other side of the story of how his brothers responded. His brothers were instructed by his father to take the flock out to a place called Shechem. The brothers didn't listen. They went a little bit further north, and Joseph has been sent to go and see the brothers. And so I'm going to pick up our reading in verse 18 from chapter uh, 37 in the Bible on page 44 of your pew Bibles if you'd like to follow along with today's reading. The brothers saw Joseph in the distance, and before Joseph reached them, They plotted against him and decided to kill him. They said to one another, here comes that dreamer. Come on now, let us kill him and throw his body into one of these dry wells. We can say that a wild animal killed him. Then we'll see what became of his dreams. Reuben heard them and tried to save Joseph. Let's not kill him, he said. Just throw him into the well in the wilderness, but don't hurt him. He said this, planning to save him from them and send him back to his father. When Joseph came up to his brothers, they ripped off his long robe with full sleeves. Then they took him and threw him into the well, which was dry. While they were eating, they suddenly saw a group of Ishmaelites traveling from Gilead to Egypt. Their camels were loaded with spices and resins. Judah said to the brothers, what will we gain if our, if our, by, by killing our brother and covering up the murder? Let's sell him to these Ishmaelites. Then we won't have to hurt him after all. I mean, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agree. And when some Midianite traders came by, the brothers pulled Joseph out of the well and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben came back to the well and found that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes in sorrow. He returned to his brothers and said, The boy is not there. What am I going to do? Then they killed a goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They took the robe to their father and said, We found this. Does it belong to your son? We, you know, we found it. Jacob recognized it and said, Yes, it is his. Some wild animal has killed him. My son Joseph has been torn to pieces. Jacob tore his clothes in sorrow and put on sackcloth, and he mourned for a long time. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, I will go down to the world of the dead still mourning for my son. And so he continued to mourn for his son, Joseph. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts Be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our Redeemer. And we give you thanks for who you are as we say together. Amen. My favorite television program, How I Met Your Mother, has an episode of the show centered around the idea of three best friends getting together to watch the entire Star Wars trilogy in one setting. It's a tradition that by the time the show picks up on it, it's a tradition that's been happening for quite a long time, and they call it trilogy time. They look at each other and say, It's trilogy time. And what happens with this group of friends as they're watching this show is that they take stock of their lives. They look at how the past three years have gone, and they even start to think about what, the, what their lives are going to look like in the future. It can be some kind of progression in a career, or a, develop in a development in a relationship, or some kind of change in life situation. You know, the normal things that we all think about when we think about how life is going to be different going forward. Unfortunately for the main protagonist of the show, Ted Mosby, Trilogy Time 2012 has come at the end of three very, very long, hard years. He has fallen in love and been heartbroken. He has fallen in love and been left at the altar. He's tried to start his own architecture firm, which only lasted about two months. And he is currently, as the show goes, he is currently estranged from his on-again, off-again, will-they-won't-they flame. As the Farrens start to talk about how life is going to be different in the next three years, as Ted's best friends, Marshall and Barney, start talking about 2015, Ted can only envision the worst possible version of the future. He predicts that in three years he will have gone bald. He predicts that he will have lost all of his meaningful relationships and he will have taken to calling up customer service hotlines just to have someone with whom he can speak. In three years. All of the dreams that he has of a successful career, all of the hopes he has of a beautiful family feel so far out of reach. And the interesting thing to me is that sometimes life is like that. Sometimes life is like that. Not just in our television shows, but sometimes in our real and actual lived lives, life can present us with a string of circumstances that make us feel like our dreams are unattainable. Or that our plan for the future is a joke that ends up not being all that funny. Like, can we admit that we realize and that we understand how Ted is feeling We know what it is like for life to knock us off of our feet and then kick us while we're down. We know what it's like to be treated poorly by someone who supposedly loves us. We know what it's like to hit a string of bad luck that leads to shattered dreams and wounded spirits and it feels like we're never going to ever recover from it. This is part of why Joseph's story from the Old Testament is so important. Because Joseph's story is the story of God overcoming shattered dreams. To recap where we are, Joseph is a 17-year-old boy. He is the second oldest son of Jacob or the second youngest son of Jacob, rather. He is one of the 12 sons of Jacob that will become the patriarchs of the nation of Israel. Because Joseph has been born to Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel, he is the favorite. And Jacob does little to conceal his favoritism. And to make this all more confusing and to make this all harder, God has given Joseph these dreams of greatness these dreams where he is the hero and his brothers are the foils. And when you take this entire scenario together, we can understand where Joseph's brothers have grown jealous and angry. And in our scripture for this morning, their hatred and their jealousy of their brother has reached a fever pitch. And they have decided to take matters in their own hands. They know that Jacob has talked to their brother about toning it down, but it hasn't worked. And so if their father cannot get Joseph to tone down in his boasting, and it even seems like God is against them, they're going to have to come up with their own plan, which they do. The brothers take Jacob's flock north of Jerusalem where their father has told them to go. But they go a little bit further north than than Jacob intended. What they're doing is they're luring Joseph further away from the favoritism of their father, further away from the protection of their father when Joseph goes to see what they are up to. The brothers see him coming and they say among themselves, here comes the dreamer, which they did not mean seriously. They meant sarcastically. Here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him and throw his body in one of the dry wells. Blinded by their own envy, the brothers attack Joseph. Blinded by their own hatred, they destroy the coat that Jacob gave to his his son, and they leave him to die in a cistern. The only thing that saves Joseph's life is the wisdom of his oldest brother, Reuben, who does not want to bring the guilt among his brothers and does not want to bring the shame among his family of killing one of their own. The only thing that saves Joseph's life is the enterprising idea of Judah to sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites, who then take him to Egypt. And it might be, in a weird and twisted way, it might be that we can hear this story and hear it as good news. I mean, this has been the deliverance of Joseph from his dysfunctional family and his spiteful brothers. He is now, he has been spared of a gruesome death. He has been set free from their constant derision. But the story isn't over. And the story is not going to resolve itself like a television show that wraps up in half an hour. No, the story is not over, and the story will not be over for quite some time. Joseph has been taken from his homeland. Joseph has been removed from anything that is familiar or safe. Joseph has been stolen from his beloved father. And by the way, he is still just 17 years old and thus has to figure out how to navigate life in a far and distant land. Do you think that Joseph's dreams felt a bit shattered that day? Do you think that Joseph's dreams felt a little bit shattered that day? Surely there was no way that God could possibly fulfill these promises now. Was there any point for Joseph to maintain any shred in belief that God could? What I find so interesting is that this, the, the story does not tell us how Joseph reacted to all of this. The words of the, of the Bible do not tell us Joseph's opinion on his new living situation. One of the commentaries I read this week picked up on it and said that the narrative is conspicuously silent about Joseph's reaction and it is left to the imagination of the reader. So, what do you think? Given all we know about Joseph's story, and not what we know yet, but what we know right now, what do you think? How would Joseph have responded to this? I think he was bewildered, devastated, shattered. I imagine that he felt as torn apart as his beloved coat. And I just got to ask you, has life ever felt like that for you? Have you ever been in a position where everything is going wrong and it feels like you're just enduring one catastrophe after another and there is no end in sight? Have you ever been in the position where you look at what life is going to look like in the next three years and only see the worst possible version That very well may have been what was happening in Joseph's life at the time. That may have been on Joseph's mind as he was traveling from Canaan to Egypt, but not by his own choice. What Joseph's struggle, what Joseph's suffering helps us to see is that despite all of the chaos that we endure, God is still working behind the scenes to ensure that things come to God's preferred end. God is still working in the midst of our chaos to bring all things to a divine fulfillment. Joseph may not know that, and he may not even believe it at the moment, but he sure lives it. He lives with this ongoing conviction. He lives with this ongoing confidence in God's guidance and God's provision. The challenge for us is to not give up along the way. The challenge for us is to not give up along the way, to not give up our hope in the midst of all of it. It might be that God redeems our suffering tomorrow. It might happen that way. It might be that we go through something today and tomorrow we go, oh, okay, now I get it. But it may take longer. For Ted Mosby, it took three years. It took one trilogy time for things to turn around. For Joseph, it took much longer than that. But what we see in this story is that Joseph lived with conviction and character and strength. What we see is that Joseph held on to hope. And I believe that we can too. Would you pray with me? God, we turn to you in the midst of all of life. And we turn to you when things are at their weirdest. And we just simply look to you to be our hope and we look to you to make sense of all that life is for us. As we go through things, be with us. As we endure hostility, as we endure chaos, as we endure suffering, we turn to you, and we look hopefully forward to the day when all things will be made well, and all things will make sense. Until then, we just look to you and we cling to you, and we hold on to hope. Let it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a videocast of our weekly cut-for-time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.